if you find similarities in in my story that you just know that you know a life beyond your wildest dreams is is a thousand percent possible because i'm definitely living proof of that today Hi, Vibers. Today we're joined with a very special guest. She was born in North Bay, grew up in Barrie, and loves CrossFit. She is a nurse and an RVP with Arbon. Please give a warm welcome to Melissa Hart, aka Old School My Little Heart Tart. I had to say it. <laughs> I did not know you were going to throw that in there, but I love it because I actually <laughs> forgot you used to call me that. That's amazing. Right? Old school, old school. So Melissa, I need to just start this off with, thank you so much for coming on, knowing that you just did a crazy long night shift and finished work at 7am, like you said, and have relaxed all day, hopefully caught up on some sleep. But I just want to say that I appreciate the fact that you took the time to join me after that. (laughs) Of course, I'm so happy to be here. And how was your night shift? It was actually really good. (laughs) Yeah, better today? Yeah, it was a great way to end my rotation. And now I have four days off. So Oh, you have four days off. That's nice. So do you do four days on four days off? Is that how it normally is? I typically actually work four days on five days off. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's even nicer, but I did an extra shift this rotation. So instead of my regular five days off, I just get the four because I added an extra shift on. Okay. And you've been now officially a nurse for how long? Since December 1st. Congratulations. That's so exciting. And are you enjoying it? I know that I I couldn't imagine what it's like to be a nurse, especially after everything that's happened with COVID. I know that it's been really hard on a lot of nurses and staffing is not great, but are you enjoying it so far? Yeah, I really am. Like I'm a new grad in the ICU. So also like a really tough place to be just in general, because it's critical care. So it's very intense, very high stress. Every little thing has to be so precise that you do because you literally have like people's lives in your hands in a very critical way. So definitely threw myself into the career (laughs) by jumping into the ICU first, but I'm so glad I did because I'm learning so much so fast and I really wanted to be in critical care. So once I'm actually done training in the ICU, I get to move over to Emerge and do training there and then I'll be able to float between the two departments. I'm really excited to be a critical care float nurse between the ICU and the ER. Wow, that's so, so cool. And I applaud you for everything that you do. And the fact that you have gone into this, I'm, I'm also not surprised because I feel like, and I even put it in my, in my notes that you're a very kind hearted person. So I know that you care a lot about people. So I'm not surprised that you want to like look after and help people. I think it's so incredibly amazing. Aw, thank you. I do. That's definitely in my nature for sure. (laughs) Yes. It's always been how you are. So let's kind of go a little backwards here and and talk about how long we've known each other. Because I I was telling my now fiance today, I was like, yeah, I've known her since I'm pretty sure I was like in grade six and you're two years younger than me, right? 
Yeah. So actually, I think I was in grade six and you were, you were in grade eight. Okay. Yes. Okay. So thank you. Cause I was, I was trying to think, I'm like, I don't remember, but even still like, that's a super long time. Like there's not that many people that I still, I mean, we don't right. talk often, but still kind of connected to people that I've known for that long. There's only like a few people that I still really, you know, casually talk with or regularly see, but it's, it's just crazy. It's crazy that it's been that long. It really is. Like you were saying, there's not that many people that you kind of still connect with, or you could still just reach out to and have like, you know, a, a no time has passed sort of conversation with from your past. <laughs> That's yep. been such a long, long time. And uh, yeah, I love that. I love that we have that. And it has been a long time. Like I was just actually telling Jake on my way to come and meet with you here too, that I've known you since public school. And he's like, wow, like you just don't have those friends anymore. Right. So it's no. pretty cool. It's so true. You really don't. I, I just, I can't believe it. And as, and as silly as it may sound, even though like we only have two years apart, I just feel like it's crazy because I've gotten to like, watch you like grow up and be like this incredible, like woman, like you're a woman, you're not a girl. Like you're, you're so amazing. And just getting to watch you like flourish over the years and, and really like, you know, grow in your own and, and become the incredible person that you are has just been such a beautiful thing from my perspective, for sure. Aw, thanks. Bye. <laughs> no you. problem. No problem. My little heart tart. I'll <laughs> never forget it. <laughs> you've always been like an older sister to me. So I love I love that. Like you've always taken on that role. I remember like me and my sister were like, just little like, you know, eeny little <laughs> teeny like, public schoolers and you were always like looking out for us and just being like that older sister role model. I, I loved it. Yeah. I got to protect you from like the mean people out there because <laughs> it's a cruel world. Literally. And, and you did like you did. <laughs> I love that so much. It makes my heart so warm. I, I, I just, I miss those days and don't at the same time, but yeah. you know, I miss our, our hangouts with you, me, uh, your mom and Carly and watching Dexter. Like that was so much fun. Oh my gosh. Wow. That brings back a lot of memories. <laughs> right. Right. It's so crazy. Now that's obviously not why we came to talk today. So we wanted to kind of touch on a couple different things and, and how you have progressed in your life and in so many different ways. And I know it's such a, a big part of your life and, and how far you've come has been your health and your wellness and also surrounding your sobriety. So I'm like, so excited. You have no idea just to talk about this, just because like, I know how much you struggled with in the past and how much you've overcome. And, and I really commend you and everything that you've done. And also like how open you've been to share your story with multiple different people, because I feel like when it surrounds sobriety, a lot of people are not as willing to talk about what they've gone through and, and really it's like strength in numbers. Like the more people talk about it, the more people are like willing to, you know, maybe admit when they have problems or, or seek that help. Yeah, absolutely. The less power it has, right. The more that you can, you can talk about it and like, unite about it the less power it has for sure there's power in numbers and strength like you said and and it's crazy because like again because it's not talked about that often I feel like there's so many more people that are struggling with whatever it, it may be whether it's alcohol or or substance abuse and like you, you honestly you could go into a room of people and like pick out like that there's people that are struggling and and we don't 
we don't talk about it enough. Like we really don't recognize that like, unfortunately it's, it's more common than like people may think. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Especially in a society too, that we live in where, you know, drinking is very like glorified socially. It's something that is such a social norm and has become just like a part of what people do on a weekly basis. Right. So it's very easy to like have something like alcoholic take you down and out, but to be suffering behind the scenes and not really let anyone know. There's a lot of shame that surrounds, you know, having a problem with alcohol and when it can be glorified so well socially and it can be really disguised in, you know, our day-to-day life so easily because it is such a social norm, then it gets, it can really be, you know, just such a like dark secret problem for people that they don't talk about, like a, like a closet thing, right? Because, again, like it's just, it can just be so blurred into normal, regular life that people are living. Yeah. I honestly couldn't agree with that more. Like I feel like everything else is very like heavy stigmatized. Like, Oh, like if, if somebody smokes weed, you're like, Oh my God, they're, they're a stoner. Or if, if even if somebody's smoking cigarettes, you're like, Oh my God, like they must be addicted. But when it comes to alcohol, I feel like it's just like, oh, like, oh, she drinks, like, that's fine. Like, oh, she has a glass of wine every day or or a bottle of of wine, whatever it may be. It's just more like normal, like, oh, yeah, it's healthy to have like a glass of red wine or whatever they say a day and, and all these things where they've just made it seem so common and so normal where like, it's hard to distinguish sometimes like, oh, is, is there actually like a problem here? And, And I know even myself, I can say that like, in high school, it's like, oh, like everybody just drinks. Like that's just so normal, but like, you're so young and it, it, it really takes a toll on like your mental health and like you're growing at that age. Like you're so young and so impressionable. And then you start doing these things that become such a regular routine that even for me personally, as I have gotten older, it's like, oh, it's just normal to have like drinks on the weekend. And I'm like, but is it really necessary? Like forget the normality. Is it necessary? Right. Yeah, no, it's so true. And it's something that's even just joked about a lot, right? Like people make light of like air quotes on that, make light of alcohol and drinking as like a social norm. Right. And so then when you have someone that, you know, drinks on occasion or drinks regularly throughout the week, but then develops a problem, I feel like they have a lot of shame around that because they think that it's just something that should be, you know, made light of. Right. So it can really be a problem for a long time before people are, you know, able to even talk about it with people because there's so much shame surrounding it and society just makes such light of it. So it's a very difficult thing. I feel like a lot of people struggle with alcohol that, you know, more than more than not and more people than we could ever really even imagine for sure. Yeah, I agree. I I agree 100 percent. And like, it's crazy because like, people sometimes maybe feel shame, like you say, like around, like if they're like, oh, do I have a problem with this? But like, there's also this like shame around the fact that if you're not drinking in social settings, it's like people really question you. You're like, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to have a drink. You're not. Why? Why do I have to explain it? Like, why, why do I have to even give a reason? Like either I'm, I'm not, or I am. And, and I shouldn't have to explain why I'm not, I'm not explaining to you why I am. I'm not saying, oh yeah, like I had a crazy, I mean, sometimes I guess people do, but like, oh, I had a crazy day. Like I just need to chug back like a bunch of wine or beer. But like, if I, 
I'm in a social setting and I go out to dinner or hang out with friends and they're drinking and you go, I'm not drinking. It's like, I need to explain my whole life story as to why I don't feel like drinking tonight. It just doesn't make sense to me. I, I agree. We really need to like destigmatize that because people don't drink for so many reason, it, reasons. And as I've been, you know, sober over the last like four and a half years, I've run into a lot of people who are sober just because like I, you know, I'm obviously sober for different reasons, but there's also a lot of people that are sober just to be sober because they like being sober because they don't like hangovers because, you know, they'd rather go work out at the gym on a Saturday morning than lay in bed being hungover eating <laughs> um, you know, greasy food, right? Like there's just so many reasons behind why people are sober or choose to be sober and it's definitely something that yeah people like question you on and sort of ask you about like why aren't you drinking and for me like what I've found is that at this point everyone in my life that knows me pretty much knows that I'm sober kind of circling back to what you were saying just that I'm very open about it yep you have a pretty strong like social media presence so even the people that don't know me well like they know that I don't drink like or you know that I'm fully sober so yeah, I feel like I have definitely, I'm at a place now where people just know that I'm sober and I don't have to explain it, but it can be really difficult for someone who's like newly sober, who maybe wants to go out and just have fun at an event, but isn't drinking and then has all these people drilling them, asking them questions like, why aren't they, why aren't they drinking? That can be really hard to like, you know, defend yourself in. And you feel like you do, you feel like you have to defend yourself in that situation. And you're kind of like very fragile in those moments. So yeah, I'm all about like destigmatizing that because like I even said, there's so many different reasons why people are sober. It's not necessarily the fact that they have a problem with alcohol, although most people always kind of jump to that assumption. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm like, I'm just all about sobriety. I love that, you know, or not, like, I'm all about what people want to do for them, what makes them feel feel the best, right? I agree. And I really like that. And, and I, I don't know. And I, I mean, I think when I look back at it, I'm like, yeah, I probably have binge drink a lot, like, especially being young, and whatever. And yeah, it's been fun at times, but like, I don't know if it's cause like I'm getting older or what, but I'm just not enjoying like having a bunch of drinks, like having a drinker here, you know, one or two is like, okay for me and like tolerable, but like kind of going to what you're saying where some people are just like choosing to be sober, sober because they just don't like the effects of it. And like, that's, that's been me like last year, I, didn't drink from September to December for no other reason than the fact that I was, you know, in a really good routine of working out and waking up early and enjoying my day. And when people would ask me why I wasn't drinking, I just said, I, I didn't want to. And again, because I, I needed to explain myself because I was never kind of good enough. Just saying that I would tell them like, you know, I, I don't want to have to not wake up in the morning and do my workout. And if I choose to be lazy, I'd rather just choose to be lazy and it not be because I'm hungover. Right. It really interrupts your flow. Like it really comes in and just messes up with all the plans that you had, especially now as we get older. Like I know, I know we're not very old, but as you <laughs> kind of approach like your late twenties, early thirties, I feel like the hangovers definitely hit you harder. You're out for longer than you were when you were like slugging back in your teens and early twenties, right? Like yep. just hits you so much harder and the effects are so much greater. And I think there's a certain point where, you know, 
in our maturity and with where we're at in life, like we just kind of weigh the pros and cons are like, is this worth it? Like with all the goals that I have with how I want to feel on a day to day basis with my priorities of like taking care of myself and taking care of my health and my wellness, like is drinking worth it? It kind of interferes with a lot of things. And I think a lot of people, once they kind of approach their late twenties, like I said, early thirties, they really start to like analyze that for themselves and realize like drinking actually isn't worth it. Like at least in the frequency that I was maybe doing it before. And so I've noticed a lot of people at this age, I'm 28 now, so in particular, like in our age group, have really slowed down on their drinking a lot, right? Because they're just like, you know, it's just not worth it anymore. Yeah, I've noticed that as well with a lot of people like around my age too, that people are like, oh yeah, they're either okay with like having like one drink or, you know, two drinks, but they're not trying to get blackout drunk and, and be up all night. Like I am an old lady. I try to go to bed at like 9 PM whenever I can, like I enjoy my sleep, but at the same time on Saturday and Sunday, like I'm still getting up at like six or seven, like, even though I'm not working, I'm getting up and I'm just enjoying my day. And I don't, I don't have the time for it. I don't have the time to not feel fantastic every single day. I, I I would like to put my effort into other ways, whether that is getting up early and working out, or maybe it's just catching up on a couple of my favorite trash TV, TV shows that like, I don't get to watch during the week or, or, you know, spending time with, with my partner or with my friends, whatever it may be. I just never, like, I'm just really getting to a point where I don't want anything else to be in the control of my decisions other than myself. I want to be able to say, I don't want to do this, or I don't feel like doing this, or I'm tired, or I want to have a lazy day. I don't want to have any other reason other than saying that that's what I want to do in that moment. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I'm glad that you understand. Cause like, it's just, I feel like so many people just don't, don't get it. And, and I, I really want to like promote more hangouts where like, we just don't drink. Like, why can't we hang out with our girlfriends and just like catch up like over, you know, 10 matcha teas or like a bunch of water, or let's go to the gym and like, work out together and do something that's motivating and something that's pushing us farther or making us better than something that potentially is not going to make us better. Thousand percent. This is like the story of my life right now. Like I feel like any of my girlfriends know, like if they're hanging out with me, they're going to be drinking fizz sticks. They're (laughs) going to be likely going for a walk. Like they're going to be maybe coming to a workout with me. Like they just know that if you're hanging, like everyone in my life knows at this point, like if you're hanging out with me, you know, we're going to be doing things that, like you said, are going to enhance our lives and not take away from it. No. And like, especially with you and what you're doing with your profession, like nursing, you have limited time. You're on like a crazy schedule. So like, it's just you, but like, I know you do, but like also other people valuing your time and like you getting to do what you want with that time, because it is so compact and so little depending on what your rotation is at that time. And, and people need to kind of understand that and respect it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I know I kind of went off on a tangent just because even though like, I can't say that I have gone through sobriety in, in really any form other than like 
by choice and at random here or there. But I feel like I'm very passionate about this topic only for the fact that like, I feel like you are. I love it. (laughs) Well, I just, I feel like it's just something that again, like I said, needs to be talked about, but also like de-stigmatized. Wow. I almost couldn't say that word Um, because there's just so many things surrounding it that like, I just, I don't agree with. So to kind of circle back, I'm just wondering if you feel comfortable with talking about the beginning, like when, when you kind of noticed that maybe you had a problem. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can share all about this. I am like, I have this open book policy. Like I just believe that if I can, if some part of my story can just help another person, like not feel alone or to find a solution or to find help or to just help them in their journey or in their life in some way, then it's worth sharing for me. So I am just like, ask me anything. I'm totally an open book. This just goes for like everyone and everything in my life. I just have like, just this like, yeah, philosophy that like, if I can help someone, then my story, my journey is worth sharing. So absolutely. (laughs) I can talk about this. So from the beginning for me, like I, I grew up in an alcoholic home. So it was also like all I ever really knew. And I began drinking at the age of 12 was the first time I got drunk. And I drank alcoholically from that very first, like very first time. I remember, you know, feeling like, as I was younger, um, growing up, just feeling like out of place, feeling like I didn't belong, feeling, you know, not as pretty as my friends, not as smart as my friends, like feeling all of these feelings that kind of just like lingered and stayed with me until I took that first drink of alcohol. And when I was 12 years old, I drank. And that very first time I got blackout drunk, I think I drank like a 26er of peach schnapps and puked it all up. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Oh, I know. Like in a park. Yeah, it was like not, not hot. (laughs) (laughs) So however, that like the feeling that alcohol made me feel was it made me feel smarter. It made me feel prettier. It made me feel more confident. It made me feel like I could speak my voice. It made me feel all those things that I was missing or so it felt like I was missing. It really made me feel like all of those, you know, insecurities and feelings that had kind of been with me my whole life just disappeared. They were just gone. And so, you know, alcohol became my solution for a very long time. And like I said, I grew up in an alcoholic home and, you know, my mom was in and out of recovery in in um, 12-step program, Alcoholics Anonymous. And so I knew that there was like a solution to alcoholism. And so having this awareness growing up was really honestly so cool for me. And, and it's what led me to finding sobriety the very first time that I tried to get sober. I was 18 years old and so quite young. Like if you think back to when you were 18, most people are in grade 12. Yep. I was in grade 12 and I was nowhere near, you know, being able to graduate because I'm, you know, I'm quite like academically brilliant. However, drugs and alcohol really took over my life in high school. So they took the front seat and my grades in school took a back seat. So I wasn't able to maintain the two because they were both just so demanding. And I chose the partying over the doing good in school. So yeah, I was nowhere near graduating. It was grade 12. Everyone was getting ready to go to prom and I actually was being sent to a treatment center. <laughs> I didn't know I that. So yeah. I was like so bad. Like my mom was like, you are like going to die. Like you're, you know, you're in the hospital. I was in the hospital when she told me this and she basically gave me an ultimatum and she was like, you either get help 
now or you know you can't like live with me anymore and you know at 18 years old like that's pretty scary to have your parents just kind of like disown you and like let you go right and obviously I had nowhere to go like I was in grade 12 yeah old. like I had like a part-time job at McDonald's or whatever but yeah I, I definitely couldn't have supported myself fully at that time and I just remember thinking like okay well yeah like there's no real option for me like I'm gonna go so I ended up going to detox. So there's like a detox center in Barrie, which I went to for like a whole week. I stayed there for seven days. Typically people just stay there for however long it takes for them to detox or unless they're waiting for like a treatment facility to go to, they'll kind of stay there until they can go, which is what happened to me. And I went to a 12-step women's treatment center in Toronto. So I left detox. My mom picked me up. She literally drove me right to the treatment center. Like she packed a bag for me. I didn't get to go home or anything like that. And at the same time, like all of my peers in school were like getting ready to go to prom. Like wow. they were like trying on their dresses, like finalizing them, getting their dresses, getting their hair, like all that kind of stuff ready to go, like picking their prom dates. And prom happened while I was in treatment. Wow. Um, so that was in June. And yeah, I, I didn't get to go to prom. <laughs> I didn't graduate high school. You and didn't? I, I didn't. didn't. Did you go back and get your GED? No, I actually like I did not graduate high school. So it's pretty cool to like be like, well, I'm a registered nurse now who's gone through university and I have a degree in science yep. nursing and I actually didn't graduate high school. Wow. And I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't know any of that. I knew that you had struggled when you were younger I didn't realize that it had started when you were 12 I also didn't know that your mom was going through that either I know that I had hung out at your house a lot but like I don't I don't remember that too my much. mom was sober that's why because okay. when, like later on I would say that she was you know she, it was it was more the alcoholic lifestyle when I was younger but then okay. when I got older like from grade like six to grade 12 like she was actually sober so imagine that like getting sober and then finally like now your little girl your your child is struggling yeah. with alcohol at such a young age during the time where you're trying to stay sober yeah that must have been really hard for her yeah so I mean yeah I, I can totally sympathize with how worried she would have been about me and how like it just would have weighed on her so heavy to like be trying to stay sober herself but then have me who's like off the rails and yeah worrying about me so yeah that's that's what happened my mom was sober that's why you probably don't remember because she was like sober doing great right like yeah like she was such a present mom she was in those years like she was very much the mom that would like hang out with like our friends right like she 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 knew every single one of our friends and still does like she just really took that time to like get to know everyone and she always had a very personal relationship with all of my friends and stuff which was really nice because I feel like most people in my life that like I know from public school they like all remember my mom right yeah your mom was awesome she was so yeah. much fun to be around and and that's why I, I was shocked when you said that because I'm like I I don't picture your mom like that at all but that makes sense if if at that point she was sober because she was always around she was always making an effort to exactly like you say talk to your friends and be around your friends and, yeah. and she was a wonderful person and still is a wonderful person but I, I'm sorry I just never knew that it had started that young I didn't know that you didn't go to prom or or you didn't 
graduate. You graduate high school. But I, I mean, to me, that even makes me so much more amazed by you and everything that you have accomplished. Because again, like I, I said at the beginning, like you have come so far and, and as we're going to continue to talk, like you have had so many struggles, but like you have moved mountains, Melissa, like you really have like, it's, it's amazing. You're truly an inspiration to me. And I'm sure when other people get the opportunity to listen to this episode, you will inspire other people. And that is a big part of the reason why I wanted you on here to talk about this, because I'm sure that this will cross at least one person's path that will help them get through things. I hope so. Like, that's just my goal, like I said, in sharing everything that I do about my life. Like, I don't leave any details, you know, out just because if I can help someone, like, yeah, if I can help someone, oh my goodness, like, that's amazing. So yeah, if anyone out there is listening and maybe you didn't graduate high school, maybe you didn't go to prom, maybe you've struggled with, you know, drugs and alcohol since you were 12, maybe you haven't, maybe you're just struggling now, like, whatever your story is, I hope that, like, if you find similarities in in my story, that you just know that, you know, a life beyond your wildest dreams is is a thousand percent possible, because I'm definitely living proof of that today. <laughs> This literally makes me want to cry. <laughs> yeah, I am. Like, it's crazy. I, I never would have had you told me when I got sober. Well, okay, so I'll backtrack a little bit. Yes, yeah, sorry. Um, I kind of interrupted you there. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't even worry. That's okay. So I'll just tell you guys like the little short, short story, short version. So I got sober at 18. Didn't last me very long because I was 18. Like I was so young, right? Like when you're 18 years old, you're not even legal yet. So what happened was I came home from treatment and I stayed sober. I went to 12 step recovery meeting program. So I went to um, things like AA, NA, CA, I kind of just did everything and really threw myself into sobriety. And I loved being sober. I really did. I fell fell in love with life again and myself. And, you know, I stayed on that route for probably six to nine months of being sober at 18 years old, which I look back on now and I'm like, that's pretty fucking awesome. Because that is, that is. I was 18 and that's a really young age to to be doing that and taking something like that on when all your friends are doing the complete opposite, right? Yeah, they're like in their prime for drinking yeah, leading up to prime. 19. Yeah. So what happened was I ended up turning 19 and, you know, just like I ended up also reconnecting with a lot of my friends that I was in high school with. And again, they were all in that that time of just like experimenting and exploring with alcohol and going out to the bars. And I finally was legal and I was like, I got to go have like a legal drink, right? Like I got to go be with my friends. I felt very alienated from the people that were my age because there wasn't really very many people that were in sobriety at 18 years old. So there wasn't a lot of people that I could relate to that were like my age. There was definitely younger people in there, but but no one that was 18. So I ended up just, you know, living my life as a 19-year-old and going out and having a legal drink. And, you know, that that progressed for a while. And again, like, you know, drugs and alcohol took a, a front seat in my life for sure. And then I kind of got to a point where I just was so – I was so sick of myself blacking out when I was drinking and I was so – embarrassed and just fed up that I just kind of quit cold turkey and I was like you know what I'm done just being this like drunken mess I don't want to drink anymore and I want to like go back and see if I can get into school because I want to do something with my life and I always dreamed of you know doing something in medicine because I always loved science
experience and health and um, ultimately like caring for people, like you said, right? It's kind of like at my core and who I am at my heart. So I wanted to do something that was like a helping profession. And so I looked into nursing and I got help from a couple of people who actually, you know, steered me in the right direction and allowed for me to write a couple like exams to see where I was at with like my English and my math. And that allowed me to get into pre-health sciences, which I took at Georgian College in Barrie. And then that pre-health program, I ended up, you know, getting like 90s in the whole year. And that those grades got me into the Bachelor of Science in Nursing program through Georgian and York University. So yeah, I didn't actually need to have my high school education because I ended up, you know, passing those entrance exams and then getting into pre-health, which was sort of like a loophole or like a stepping stone to nursing. So I'm really grateful that like they have those. And at that time, I was also like a mature student because I had been out of school for a couple of years. So everything just kind of worked out that way for me. And after my first year of nursing, I was really struggling again with just all those feelings that I had when I was growing up. Like, feeling so insecure about myself, just struggling with my mental health, struggling with depression, and also an eating disorder. And all those things really took me out and down and out. And I ended up dropping out in my first year. um, After my first year, I was in my second year of nursing. And I dropped out because it was just like too much. And I I wasn't even sure if I was like wanting to be a nurse at that point, because I think my, my brain was so foggy. Like I just was questioning everything. I was so confused. I felt very alone. I felt I ultimately like I didn't have recovery, right? Like I was an alcoholic and an addict and I was sober, but now I have this eating disorder. (laughs) It's all related, right? It's all related to addiction. And I don't know how to cope ultimately is is what's going on with me and so yeah i dropped out of nursing just not being so confused and not knowing what the heck i wanted to do with my life or with myself in the next minute and so i kind of just did it on a limb and i went and i dropped out of school i had so many people telling me like no don't do it don't do it like what are you doing like don't do that and like Ultimately, I kind of knew it was like the wrong choice, but it was the only choice I could make in that moment. It was the only one that really made sense to me at that time. It sounds weird, but I think I always kind of knew I was going to go back and finish it. And just in that moment and in that time in my life, in that season, I was really struggling and I was I was just, I, I, I couldn't see that far ahead. And I really could only focus on like the here and the now. And I could barely even do that. I could barely get through, you know, the day and the minute and the hour. So that's what I needed to focus on. And when that happened, I ended up, you know, my eating disorder really progressed and took over my life a lot, caused me, you know, a lot of depression. And then again, I just kind of aligned with partying, right? Because it was there and it was always a solution for me in the past because it took away all those feelings. It took away all those things that I couldn't sit with myself, right? And yeah, I ended up partying until I was 24 and it got to a point where, oh my goodness, I couldn't stop. Like I was able to stop when, um, you know, a couple of years prior when I just realized like, hey, this isn't worth it anymore. Yep. I don't want to feel this way. And I was able to kind of cut, quit cold turkey on my own. But I, I was in so deep at this point when I was 24 years old and I was partying every single day. Like I was just working in bars and restaurants as, bar t- as a bartender. And so, um, you know, I was really in that lifestyle of people who were in the industry who were drinking and partying all the time. So it became very easy and 
again, when we're talking about that social norm of drinking, it was that social norm of like, you get off your shift, you have a drink, right? Everyone's at the bar, you have a drink. So the lines became very blurred. And again, my alcoholism and my addiction really took over in a very fast, dramatic way because, you know, there was really no boundaries. And I was just seeking for something, seeking for love in all the wrong places. And um, (laughs) ultimately, I just really needed to love myself, but I didn't know how. So yeah, I I just kept drinking. I was in a state of, you know, going on four day benders. So like, literally, I would, you know, start drinking at the end of a shift and just be like, okay, I'm just gonna have a drink or two, because that's all I need. Like, I just need that one or two drinks just to feel okay, just to level out just to feel myself just to to really not feel. (laughs) And so that, you know, one or two drinks would always lead me into drugs which would inevitably lead me into being up for multiple days at a time. And that was sort of my cycle was I would go on like three or four day benders where I would drink and use drugs and and then I would go home and sleep for a day and I would do it all over again. And I had jobs that I got fired from a lot of jobs. <laughs> and then I had a job that really, you know, just kind of enhanced my drinking because a lot of them were just like me, right? So they partied and drank just, just the way I did. And yeah, the lines were very blurred at that point. And I found a job that I could, you know, ultimately really party at and, you know, get away with all those benders and still keep my job. And so was that in the restaurant industry still? It was. Yeah, yeah, that was in the restaurant industry. Yeah. Yeah, I just got to a point where, you know, a couple of times I went to my mom, and I was very scared because I wanted to stop, but I didn't know how. And I kind of did that thing with myself where, a few years ago, I had just been able to stop. So I kept, you know, having these realizations of like, okay, I don't want to drink anymore. And then I would just be like, okay, well, I'm not going to drink anymore now. But then that day I would end up drinking and it would be like noon. Like I couldn't even get through the day. And so alcohol had a hold on me like it had never really had before. And I, I wanted to stop, but I couldn't. And when I started to drink, I had no control over how much I did when I did. Same thing with drugs too. It was all the same for me. And yeah, it came a lot of, a lot of uh, times of me saying I wasn't going to drink anymore, like promising my mom, promising like all the people in my life, like I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm done. Only like to be drunk, you know, hours later. So it was a lot of like, you know, just nonstop lies and like broken promises. But the thing is, is like, I actually meant it. Like I actually meant that I didn't want to drink. So I was kind of living in like a, a, a hell, hell on earth, right? Like I, I genuinely didn't want to drink anymore, but I just genuinely didn't know how not to. So I was really stuck, you know, in shackles. Like I was just like, you know, handcuffed to, to drugs and alcohol and I didn't know how to break free. So I kept going to my mom periodically, you know, after my four day benders, when I felt like crap, (laughs) it was always when I would go to her and be like, Hey, I think I'm really ready to stop like drinking and partying and stuff like, you know, I should probably go to like a meeting because again, going back to I always knew that there was a solution, right? I knew that there was a solution for me in Alcoholics Anonymous. And yeah, she would be like, okay, yeah, like that's a great idea. Like, let's do it. And then, of course, you know, my promise would only last a couple of hours and I would be drunk. So it really took a couple of scary moments for me where my life kind of flashed before my eyes and I was hanging out with people I, I really sh- had no business being with. I was in situations where I had, you know, no business being there. And I was really scared for my life a couple of times, just with like a lot of violence and a lot of things that were happening with people that I was partying with. And 
Wow, like it's crazy even just talking about and thinking back on because I don't really think about it that much. That really hit me of like, I'm, I'm gonna die. Like I'm putting myself in really scary situations where like I'm genuinely fearing for my life. And one time I called my mom to come pick me up from like a pub that I ran to out of as I literally escaped from a house like wow. that was very dangerous and no one wanted anyone to leave from but I like couldn't be there I was so scared so I escaped and ran to a like nearby anything which was a pub and I called my mom and the bartender there ironically enough <laughs> was in Alcoholics Anonymous and knew my mom <laughs> oh my god I have goosebumps by the way while you're saying all of these yeah, things. yeah. it's crazy right like going back and talking about it I said I was going to be short but it kind of ended up no, going that, that's okay that's okay so yeah it was uh really ironic I again was like four day bender couldn't even see straight like so dehydrated probably makeup all running down my face like my phone's dead I'm just useless like I'm just running through the streets trying to find someone to help me right like thinking back on that now it's like wow who is that girl like that girl I'm so far from that girl you know yeah uh, but again it's a part of my story and it's a part that like I have no shame in sharing because I know that there's people out there that are struggling and I know that there's stories that people never tell people. And so I hope that in sharing, you know, my stories that are full of shame and full of guilt and full of remorse that it can give someone else the strength to even just open up to one person in their life and not feel so alone. So yeah, my mom picked me up and I ended up telling her the whole story of like everything that had gone on and like she like never wanted to leave my side again. Like she was like so scared for me and like was like how did you get in this situation? Like I, I, I went home that night and I promised her I was never going to drink again, of course. <laughs> and, um, you know, I said, I'm going to go to AA. And of course, you know, that lasted a, a day, maybe 24, maybe 48 hours if I'm lucky. I want to say maybe 24. And I was drinking again because alcohol just had a hold on me. And the thing is, is like it is a progressive disease and it gets worse and worse and worse. So the other thing is that like no human power can relieve me of that. So no matter who I'm trying to get sober for, I'm trying to get sober for my mom or for my sister or my dog or whoever it is that I'm making these promises to, like even though I love them so much, like ultimately like I can't get get sober for them or or on that power, right? It has to be a power greater greater than myself and totally outside of like human experience. So yeah, I do believe that God came knocking for sure about two weeks after this experience when I promised my mom I wasn't going to drink anymore and I was going to go to AA. About two weeks later, I ended up yet again in another horrible situation and I had a friend take me to the hospital because I like couldn't walk. I was so dehydrated because I had been on like a four-day bender of just drinking like straight whiskey and cocaine <laughs> and oh. one after the other, like literally no water in four days. And I my muscles were all seizing up. Like I literally couldn't walk. And I had a really good friend of mine come pick me up from a random house. I had no idea where I was or who I was with. And he took me to um, to the hospital where I just sat in like an emergency chair for like seven hours and it felt like five minutes. And then he took me home. And at that point I walked into my front door and it was May 17th, 2018. And I knew my mom was home. And I knew she was worried sick about me because when I was gone for four days, I would always let my phone die and I would never turn it back on because I didn't want to have to deal with like, you know, anyone messaging me or wondering where I was because it would ruin my buzz. So yeah. thankfully I had a good friend that came pick me up that day and he actually called my mom and let her know that I was okay because he knew this was my pattern and this is what I did and I would, no one would know where I was and everyone would be freaking out. So he called my mom for me. He was such a sweet, 
sweet person in my life and picked me up, took me to the hospital, sat there with me, you know, for like seven hours. And then when we were done, he brought me back to my mom's house. And I remember just sitting in his car being like, I don't want to go in the house. Like, I'm just so scared. But it was like a different kind of scared. And it was because I think I knew I was really ready to surrender at that point. And I was really ready to like give it up. So yeah, like I said, like God came knocking and I walked into that front doorstep of my mom's house and just fell to my knees. Like I instantly just like collapsed to my knees and I just was bawling my eyes out. And I was like, I, I'm so done, which is words I had said a thousand times (laughs) before, but this time there was something else alongside those words. And I said, I need help and I can't do this alone. And it was that act of surrender and that final submission to say like, I need help and I can't do this alone that, you know, the willingness came out of me and my mom literally looked at me and was like, do you want to go to an AA meeting? There's one in like 10 minutes. Let's go. So I'm a disaster. I have like a half broken foot, by the way, that I can barely walk on. Oh my God. That they fixed up for me in Emerge. My makeup, again, my mascara is down to my cheeks, like running down my face. I haven't slept for four days. Like I'm super dehydrated, all the things, right? I'm delusional. I can't even see straight. And she's like, let's go to a meeting. And I was just like, yeah, okay, let's go. A thousand percent, I'm ready. So she took me to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting that night. And it was literally like 15 minutes about, it was about to start in 15 minutes. So we showed up and I just sat in this chair in Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And I remember, I don't remember anything about that meeting and I have a really good memory, but I don't remember one thing except for feeling not alone anymore. And I remember feeling just like I was at home and I was with people who understood me and I was with people who could help me. And I hadn't had that feeling in a long time because I had been surrounding myself with a lot of people uh, that were quite the opposite of that. So I ended up leaving that meeting and going right into detox yet again. So first time in detox, I was 18. Second time, I'm 24. And it's the May 2 for a long weekend because it's May 17th. And I had like big party plans for this weekend. But the thing is like, of course, right? Like I had all these plans. The thing is like God had different plans for me, right? And he really came into my heart and like allowed for me to surrender and allowed for me to get that help by going to that meeting and then going literally from the meeting right to detox where I spent that whole May 2 for a long weekend. Thank God, because like, I don't know what I would have done if I was out in the real world. Like when you're in detox, you're in a bit of a bubble, like you're in a safe bubble, right? You don't really have like your cell phone. You don't have people like triggering you, tempting you. I was very safe that weekend. And I can see that like God literally put me there for that whole weekend, he was like, you're staying put right here. And I really felt that. And I have been sober ever since. So that was May 18th. Well, it was May 17th, but I officially was sober like that first day in detox on May 18th, 2018. So that was four and a half years ago. And I have been sober ever since. That's so amazing. That's honestly like this listening to you has given me so many chills and just like, Uh, going back to just the beginning of of you saying that, you know, part of what started you drinking was having the escape and, and feeling more confident and, and, you know, feeling prettier just like resonates with me so much. And I feel like that was part of the reason why I probably drank as much as I did when I was younger as well. And probably even into my early to late twenties. So hearing you say that just like has given me chills listening to this whole story. And I'm very 
grateful that you were able to find your sobriety. And, and even though it, it might've been a bit of a roller coaster for yourself, like you said, like God was looking after you and, and that was the right time. And, and I'm sorry that you had to go through so many scary moments to, to get there, but I, I applaud you for everything that you have been through and, and congratulate you really for the fact that you have been sober since then. And, and that's just an incredible journey that you have gotten yourself to. Thank you. It, it really is like, I'm so moved by everything that you said. <laughs> I, know, I wasn't expecting to like share all of that, but it just kind of came out and I always trust that like, you know, God's guiding me, leading me, and he's going to ultimately let me say whatever's meant to be said. So, yeah. So I just want to kind of leave on a couple questions, just kind of circling back to the fact that, you know, during the time that you were truly struggling, like you said, that you were surrounded by so many people that were in, involved in the fact that they were drinking or, or maybe even partaking in drug use. And with, with you getting sober, that May two four, what what did you have to do to kind of move that forward to make this a permanent thing? Did you did you have to separate yourself from specific people in order to be able to continue on with your journey, or were you able to still hang out with specific people? Yeah. So at this point, the thing is, is like my caliber of friends just kind of kept getting lower and lower because I did. Right. And ultimately, I, I like we surround ourselves with the people that were that were like so I just kept, um, you know, surrounding myself with people that were like me and people that drank and used drugs like me. And unfortunately, at the end, those people were, you know, they were they weren't the greatest people. And so it's funny you asked that question, because, yes, I did have to once I got out of detox, which I was there for that whole long weekend, I left detox and I was very fragile, like I was very scared of being sober. I didn't know what my life was going to look like. I didn't know how I was going to laugh again or how I was going to have fun again, especially going into the summer. Like I had plans to just party all summer. And I was like, well, how am I going to even enjoy my life now? Like, how am I going to get through anything? But like, I had to at one point just like give all of that up and stop worrying about it all because I just knew that I needed to get sober. And it was sort of like, first things first, just just focus on getting sober and like you will figure all of that out along the way. And I'm glad I had that kind of a mindset around it and I didn't really read too much into it because what ended up happening was I ended up having the most fun summer I've ever had in my life. And like my my whole heart was like reawakened to life and all of the beautiful moments. And I did things that summer I have never done in my life. And I was sober to like fully embrace and enjoy every second of them. And I had never really had that in my life before because drugs and alcohol were truly always a part of my life in some way. And they were always clouding the experience. And so it was a really magical, beautiful summer. I met Jake that summer. He's my fiance now. And we fell in love and, you know, he was newly sober. So I got to meet a bunch of like young people in sobriety too, which is really nice because I didn't know, you know, I didn't know if I was going to have any fun. And I did, I had to cut out all the people I was hanging out with. And so I didn't really have any friends at that point. Like I had a lot of my core friends that were always going to be in my life. But at that point, they weren't my friends anymore. Like they had separated themselves from me. And so, you know, all the people that I was hanging out with, you know, when I went into detox and they stopped hearing from me, they stopped reaching out. Yeah. So it's funny because I went into detox with like a broken foot, a broken phone, 
and detox took my phone because they take your phone right they put it in a safe spot and you can use their their phone to call people like safe people so it's really good thing that you don't have your phone in there because it can be a really triggering thing for a lot of people and right. it would have been for me um because i had a lot of a lot of people that i was really connected to on my phone that just were no good for me and so they took my broken phone and i remember saying to myself like i'm not opening my phone until i'm ready to face those people and those messages that I'm probably going to be flooded with when I'm I'm finally ready to turn my phone back on and like fix it. And it was like half broken and so it was dead, it was off. I actually get this, I didn't even open my phone until I was like a month sober. Wow. So I lived off of like an iPad. Like I had this iPad <laughs> and I would bring it everywhere with me and I would like connect it to Wi-Fi like at Tim Hortons drive-thrus and stuff. Like I would like go through the drive-thru and like sit in the parking lot and like connect to Wi-Fi on my iPad and use that as like my iMessage to just like talk to like a, my mom, like a couple key people, right? Yeah. But ultimately like I left my phone off and I didn't open it until a month later and I did so with my sponsor in AA. Because I was really nervous. Like, I was like, oh, I'm going to have all these messages from, like, all these people. Like, it's going to be hard, right? And guess what? I opened my phone and I had not one message from any of those people that I was partying with. And that just really showed me, like, they weren't my friends. Wow. They weren't even checking in on you to see, like, are you alive? Are you okay? Are you having a party with us tonight? Like, nothing. Yeah. And that's what I thought I was going to like be missing out on was like all the party messages. Like, where are you? What's up? And like, it's funny, just like not one thing. So I kept thinking like, oh, my phone's going to be blowing up and I, I can't look at it right now. And so I waited all this time and then I opened it and there was nothing. And I was just like a little devastated. But at the same time, I was really relieved because it just showed me like those people ultimately just were my friends, which I knew. Like I knew yeah. that. I knew at one point, like when my real friends that had stuck with me and like been with me my whole life, like my true friends, like you, right? Like someone that you just know your whole life that you know will will always be there if you reach out. Like those, when those people started to like distance themselves from me, like, (laughs) yeah, I, I, I knew that, you know, my caliber of friends at that point was, was not really my friends. So yeah, that's what ended up happening. I did distance myself because what I did when I got sober was I really just like went to meetings and made it like my full-time job was just to be sober. So I went to meetings every day, um, sometimes like multiple times a day if if I could. And I just surrounded myself with people who were sober. And I think that's really important too in the beginning um, stages of getting sober. If you are fragile, which most of you are, (laughs) most people are who are getting sober initially, Um, it's just so smart to stick with people that are sober because when you're with people that aren't like, it can just really trigger you, really tempt you. And when you're in just such a state of like being so fragile, it can really interfere with your sobriety. So yeah, I just surrounded myself with people who are sober and then also like people who are my real friends that would like come see me without drinking. Right. Yep. And yeah, and then I met Jake and I met Jordan and I met like Jordan is Jake's brother and like, they had so much fun in recovery and they introduced me to all these people in recovery who were just having a blast, like living life sober this, this beautiful summer of 2018 and I fell in love with life again and I fell in love with myself like on a deeper level than I ever had before and that's, that's really what, um, what getting sober that year did for me. How did you meet Jake? In Alcoholics Anonymous. You did. Okay. I thought so, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. That's, yeah. that's wild. And now you guys are engaged, aren't you? We're engaged. Yeah. yeah. We've been engaged for like two years. So I love that, but I still like, I just, I think that's an amazing story. Like it's just beautiful how 
something that could have been so bad, you were able to kind of turn it around and, and make it into such a, a beautiful thing and, and come out the other side, like really and truly. It's just, I can't say it enough. It's, it's incredible just to hear your story and, and hear everything that you've gone through. Um, another question that I did want to ask you, I mean, I, I don't know if it's different now being four years or f- sorry, four and a half years sober. Um, are you able to still be around people that are drinking? I don't know the, the level of drugs. I'm sure you're probably not usually around people like that anymore, but because drinking is so like we said, social norm, are you able to be around people or do you just choose to not even put yourself in those situations? Yeah, this is a really good question. I'm really glad you asked it, actually, because I was always a bartender and a server in the restaurant industry, like I was saying, right, Um, before I got sober. And so when I got sober, I was still a bartender in the restaurant industry. Like, that's all I had at the time, right? Like, I had a nursing degree. I wasn't in school anymore. I didn't have anything else, like going on for me job wise. That's all I really had known. And I was I was a really great bartender. But yeah, that's all I knew. And so I ended up staying at the job. Ironic, like crazily enough, I ended up staying at the job that was, you know, essentially like really sped up my partying. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how I did like that was God's grace for sure, not mine, because they were still all partying the same way that I was. And I just wasn't doing it with them anymore. But I was still working with them. So that was difficult. Yeah. I look back now and I'm like, damn, (laughs) my sponsor at the time was like, you need to leave that job. And I was like, yeah, like I will. And then after like a month or two, I was like, I can't be here anymore. Like, this is too much. Like, I'm so, I'm just not about this anymore. Right. And so I realized like I really had to leave and get something different. And I ended up getting a job at Donnelly's downtown Barrie and that was my favorite bartending job, serving job I've ever had in my life. It was literally a home to me, still is. I feel like they're my family down there. And yeah, I got that job when I was three months sober. And I know that there's a reason for that because I had to be like in a really good frame of mind for that job because it was such a good job and I wanted to be like my best self for it. And I was at that point. And so when I got the job at Donnelly's, it was also a bar that, you know, it's very like prestigious Irish pub, right? It's a nice pub. Like people go there to have a good time. And so there, there wasn't drugs there. It wasn't like other places I had worked where everyone was drinking on the job and like all those things. It was just very... It was very easy for me to be sober there. And then after a few months of working there, I started to open up to the girls because they would be like, oh, come have a drink with us, right? Like after work or whatever. And I would always say no, and I'd always leave. And, and yeah. like, Mel doesn't like us. Like, what's <laughs> there? So eventually, like I opened up and told them I was sober. And it was so cool what happened when I did that. Like they all had my back. And it was really beautiful because even if I was on the bar working with you know, another girl and someone's like, I'll buy you a shot. You can have it after work or whatever. Like they'd be like, she doesn't drink. Like, no. And like (laughs) everyone was so like super cautious and protective of me there, which was really beautiful because we're working in a bar where we're serving alcohol. But, you know, everyone is just like really supportive of my sobriety. And it was just the most magical, beautiful place I could have worked in the beginning stages. 
you know, of getting sober and, and I was there for a couple of years. It was like actually my last bartending job before I like transitioned over into like my nursing career and my nursing jobs and stuff. And I'm so grateful because I had so much fun there and everyone was super supportive. And yeah, wow. Crazy, eh? Like I ended up- so crazy. A lot of people say like, I could, how do you, how do you serve alcohol? But you're like a sober alcoholic. Like, how do you do that? Right. And for me, like, it was just always what I did for work. It was always, you know, my line of work. I always loved the atmosphere. I loved the people. You know, when I got sober, I was still a social person. I was still like my bubbly, happy self. I love being around people and I loved being in that like high energy atmosphere. I even loved it more so when I was sober because like my true personality came out and I wasn't hungover, right? Yep. <laughs> so I actually really thrived as a bartender when I was sober, like way more so than when I was drinking because, you know, I was on my, I was on my game. I was on the ball. Like I, I just did such a better job and, you know, I made more money and I saved more money. Like, <laughs> And it's crazy to think because like all of the reasons why you say that you drank, like all that self doubt that you had of your capabilities and your personality, your confidence, you always had that. It just felt like obviously drinking had made that better. So I'm sure that was probably like really invigorating to like, be like, I know that I can be amazing and I don't need booze. And if I'm enjoying being in this atmosphere, like I can still thrive. So I bet that probably felt like a very good accomplishment for yourself as well. It felt really cool when I was like starting to get sober and my personality was coming out again because I felt just like, wow, like I can really be myself and I can have fun and I can be a bartender and I can be a great bartender and I can be a sober bartender, right? Like it it just, it all kind of started to click and follow along. Like the more steps I took forward and the more days that I got sober, everything just sort of aligned. Yeah. I I really love that so much. And I want to leave it off on just one last question and then a quick game. So my one question, and I, I always ask people whenever I can think of it, what advice would you give? And I normally say your 10 year old self, but because you went through all of this at 12, what advice would you give your 12 year old self right now? Oh my gosh. I know it's a deep question. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. I have to like, think about that. Like it's very tense. You know what? At the end of the day, I don't regret anything. So it's not like I wouldn't I wouldn't give the advice to change anything. I think right. I would just give the advice of like, you know, you're you're being looked after, you're being cared for. You are so loved. Like you are so much more loved than you even can think or comprehend. And like God has your back. And if you turn to him, he'll turn to you. Because ultimately I think if I had have done that earlier in my life, you know. I don't know. And that's a thing. I don't want to go back and say like, if I had of, because I love my story. And even though there's a lot of pain in it, and even though there's a lot of tragedy in it and a lot of heartache and a lot of heart and a lot of struggle, I wouldn't change it for the world because it, it's literally gotten to me to where I am today. And it's a part of who I am today. Every little piece of my story, every little detail of it is a part of who I am today. And I wouldn't be the same person without it. So I wouldn't change a thing. But yeah, I think I would just tell like my 12 year old self that like you are so loved, more love than you could even imagine. I honestly think that that's like the best answer that you could have given, because I feel like that is something that when we're at such a young age, even if we're shown love by parents, peers, like, you know, whatever it could be siblings, 
I, I don't know. It's just like our mental health is not talked about enough at that young of an age that like, we don't feel it. And like, kids are going through it. Like <laughs> depression is a real thing and, and it happens at all ages. It doesn't matter how old you are. And I feel like that's something that even my 10 year old self, my 12 year old self, my 15 year old self, my 20 year old self could have used to understand and know that like you are worthy and you are loved. So I, I'm, I, I agree with that answer, even though it's not my own answer. I think <laughs> it's a good, I think it's a good answer because you're right in the fact that like you are where you are today because of the path that you've been on and you wouldn't be the person that you are today if you didn't go through that you are such a strong incredible resilient human being so I applaud you again thank you <laughs> no problem now let's let's finish on a lighter note <laughs> with a quick little game of this or that okay love it this is fun <laughs> okay so journaling or venting to a friend journaling fight or flight Ooh, and <laughs> who it is <laughs> Jake fight for sure I have to say something that someone told me once and it has stuck with me forever because I feel like if something happens and I get upset about something I want to talk about it right away I want to fight it out like I'm like let's hash this let's squash it let's communicate let's work through it let's understand each other better let's move forward rather than like run away not deal with it so that's why I say fight but someone once told me once that women are like crockpots and men are like microwaves. And so, or sorry, no, women are like microwaves and men are like crockpots. So like women are just ready to go and ready to hash it out, but like men need more time to sit with it. And so, yeah, I always try to remind myself when I'm like really eager to like fight something out with Jake or like argue or like get it done and like come to a resolution that like he just needs more time. I'm actually going to use that in my relationship because it's <laughs> so accurate to, uh, I, I think that Steven likes to sit and think about things and process it where I'm the exact same way as you. I'm like, no, we need to talk about it right now. Yeah, like men, I feel like men can sit with something for like two whole days and like be, be angry with you. And I'm like, I can't afford that much time of being angry. Like it takes <laughs> energy for me. I love that so much. Um, therapy or resolve on your own. Um, it's a good one. I'm going to say resolve on my own slash with God. I like that. Yeah. Yoga or strength training. Strength training. <laughs> breath work or meditation? Neither. I've never, I've never done breath work. I've done meditation. Yeah, neither. Isn't that funny? I feel like, can I insert something else? Yeah, of course. Tell me another option. Uh, nature walk. Ooh, I like that. I like that. House plants or essential oils? Um, definitely not house plants. I cannot keep those things alive. <laughs> Um, Me so neither. Oils. <laughs> time outside, which I feel like I already know that's going to be your answer, or time in bed. Outside. Alone time or time with friends? Um, 50-50. I like my alone time. I never thought I would say that, ever. Yeah. <laughs> Stay up all night or go to bed on time? Oh, go to bed early. <laughs> yeah, at 9 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Immediately after this podcast. <laughs> yeah ask for help or ignore the issues oh ask for help 
acknowledge your feelings or ignore your feelings acknowledge them for sure stay on the couch or exercise obviously exercise exercise <laughs> and i obviously i think i know this answer too eat junk food or eat healthy eat healthy and then overwork or take breaks take breaks all right well that was it i just want to do a quick little like kind of health and wellness you know just kind of get get our thoughts going but i just really want to end it on this note and again just express my gratitude for you taking time out of your very, very busy schedule to talk about this and also just, you know, educate me. I feel like I've learned so much just from this conversation and, and also give me the opportunity to share your story as well. So I just really want to say thank you so much, Mel. I really, really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. It's an, I'm honored. (laughs) Well, anytime, come back anytime. Well, thank you again, Melissa, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye, Vibers. Bye. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending.